Diamond. D-I-A-M-O-N-D. A precious gem of the most valuable kind. When pure, it is clear. Diamond. D-I-M-O-N-D. A family name bringing traditions of love, hard work, and moral values. This is the Diamond Education Podcast. With my mom and dad, Johnny and Kelly England. Welcome to the Diamond Education Podcast with John and Kelly England, your hosts. We're here to help you find the most valuable education for your child. And today we're going to do something a little bit different. It's just going to be Kelly and I discussing uh, just maybe current events that are going on and some of the stuff that I've been learning in my regular job that isn't involving in the podcast. And uh, we're going to be talking about micro schools and education entrepreneurship. Yeah. So it's super exciting. So John has the opportunity that he gets to travel around to quite a few states, see a lot of different options out there. And he's seen some really cool things. He's come home and talked about it. A while ago, I actually had a mom, a parent ask, I just like to know what, what's the difference between a micro school and a private school? So I'm going to start with that question of what is a micro school and how do they differ? Yeah. And that's a really interesting question, right? So you can think of a private school and, and, and usually, you know, you talk to somebody like Dawn and Ashley Soifer who run micro, uh, the national micro schooling center and really help them out. And it's like, really, if you identify as a micro school, your micro school is their definition, right? I would say that a micro school is a low cost tuition private school, meaning, you know, a lot of times they're a, a startup they're getting going and they may grow into like what we would maybe think of as a traditional private school, but they, they typically will do things very differently than the traditional school system. When I think of a private school, I think of the, you know, something like here in Utah, American heritage, which is five days a week. You know, your kid shows up at eight, eight 30, maybe nine o'clock. They're there until three or four o'clock, you know? And it's so they're typical traditional class it, size. It looks, and- it looks what what they do inside, uh, maybe what they teach is a little bit different. But as far as the function of what they are doing, you know, they have a set class. It's based on grades and things like that. Whereas a micro school, a lot of times will be mixed ages. They're typically really small, less than you know, really less than 150 students. Maybe smaller. A lot of times, often smaller. There's some micro schools I've seen that only have seven or eight students in them. But it and and some of those will be run out of somebody's house, right? And so mm-hmm. those those micro schools end up looking a lot like maybe a homeschool co-op yeah. through uh, homeschooling, and then there's other micro schools that look a lot more like a traditional school. We have actually two of our children going to. I would classify them as a as a micro school, even though they don't classify themselves as a micro school, um, just because of the size of it and the fact that they only go three days a week and yeah. they rely really heavily on a couple of days at home where the kids have a chance to just read all these amazing books. And so the, the difference gets a little nuanced as you get going and the larger they are, the closer they are to what you would think of as a traditional school. And the smaller they are, the more variety you actually see in what they're trying to do. Yeah. Well, and I would say there is crossover. Too. Oh, for sure. Yeah. It, it's it's a Venn it's diagram. Like there is some similarities and yeah. Yeah. There, it's, it's definitely so. a Venn diagram, you know, and there's, there's parts where, you know, uh, one school would call themselves a private school and another would call them a micro school, but they're doing basically the same things. Yeah. And so there, it, it is a Venn diagram with all the different things. And in fact, 
there's some public schools that you could probably call a micro school because they've created a special class that does something very, very differently. Um, one of the things that I see in micro schools is their desire to individualize the education and not have it be kind of this set standard throughout. And mm -hmm. that's something that I find really exciting. Yeah. Thank you for the explanation. Yeah. <laughs> I do think it can get confusing when people talk about it because they're like, well, it's kind of like a private school. So it is, it is, it, it's, it's more similar to a private school than anything else because there's usually a tuition involved. Yeah. Not always though, because sometimes it's, it's just a startup and it's, you're just paying for materials because a mom loves doing something. Right. Yeah. But yeah. Yeah. Cool. So I want to hear some of the, maybe a few micro schools that you visited or saw or somebody talked about that were cool. Yeah. So there's been some really amazing ones. Most of the ones I've seen are, are Acton academies um, just because we have a few of those here in Utah and, and on some of the tours they're they're a, a larger kind of almost a micro school network. So that's a specific philosophy that comes out um, of this idea of micro schooling. Um, but the thing I love about them is again, they're very, they, they talk about, uh, how the child is the hero of their own story mm -hmm. and they go on this hero's journey. And, and if you're familiar with the, the story elements of, of the hero's journey in, in literature, you know, that they kind of start out in one way and then they go on this adventure and they have to learn and they grow, you know, think, think about Frodo in the Lord of the Rings, you know, and I mentioned that cause we've been watching that, but Frodo is not the same as when he left. And that's the idea behind an act in Academy is that the child will not be the same person. They'll have learned and grown and discovered uh, some of their limits. Yeah. And, and Which is applicable to life, really. Oh, for sure. What is that quote you always say? You and I are constantly. Oh yeah, you and I are constantly becoming something or someone we are not. We can't change that. We can only guide yeah. it. So it kind of, I think it, that goes along with that idea. Absolutely. So. Absolutely. But, but there's been others too that, uh, you know, there's a, a lady, again, I, I listened to uh, Carrie McDonald's liberated podcast where she highlights a lot of these different models, but she, she does, a, I'm, I think it's called forest school, but I have to check me on that. But she, she basically, she meets people and it's like twice a week and they meet up and they go on a hike into nature and then they do science biology, nature stuff in uh -huh. the forest. So they'll go on a hike and it's, it's a usually an all day event, you know, parents sometimes come, sometimes they don't come mm -hmm. things like that. So that's one way that one school that I've heard of, um, there's a lady here actually in Utah, who's trying to get a school started where, um, she's done therapy with horses uh -huh. for kids and she turned it into she's trying to turn it into a school so it's not necessarily for somebody who's been through something traumatic but just a way for kids to come and they're doing learning but they're also learning with horses and things like that so there's really some amazing like and and cool ideas that you can help find really individualized education for your children through these different models that are out there well and i think it goes along with what we said is going off that passion driven that your child's interest, right? Yeah. Like what a better environment for a child who loves animals than maybe go to school with horses right. or, or the child who loves like hero stories or 
you know, yeah. or literature that I've seen, we've seen schools that are literature based oh, or, sure. you know, it's just, there's so many opportunities out there Yeah, that sometimes when parents are like, I don't know what to do, which I mean, you and I sometimes don't know what to yeah. do with our children that I'm always like, there is a lot of micro schools out there and they're going to continue to grow. Yeah. And well, and we had even, you know, uh, Kim Goatson, who is running a charter school oh, yeah. out of Pleasant Grove. Um, and I think it's called Canyon Grove Academy, where she really does like individualize it for the family, right? Yeah. So she has kids who will come one or two days a week physically to the school and some that will come five days a week. And she allows for that modification. And then she has like uh, activities and packets put together that the families can take that's based yeah. on the child's interests. And, and then her farm and she has a farm and that. farm animals and garden space. And each grade has its own garden. And actually I went and I toured the school and they have a space center. So they'll go in and they'll like pretend they're on, you know, think science fiction, Star Trek going on this yeah. trip and they run into these aliens and they have to problem solve through these different scenarios and they learn that way and so well there's then some... adam with william adam hellstone with williamsburg academy yeah absolutely which is can either be in person or online but it's leadership yeah based academy you know for those kids into literature or leadership skills or i've seen he has entrepreneur and yeah he, i mean they have way more than what i'm listing but and then the idea of hybrid yeah like I my like so next year our second she keeps child keeps expressing she her biggest love is is writing writing and yeah. she keeps asking mom what could I do to write to earn money or how could I be better writer or what could we do and so this next year we're actually excited because she's loved her school yeah but we're we're coming to the point of she really wants to go and get heavy into literature and writing and I would say that's one of the things that like for us as we started this journey, maybe a year and a half ago, right? Mm -hmm. This is our second year of doing things outside of the public system. And one of the things I've loved is that every year we do, and, and sometimes mid-year, we reevaluate what are we doing for the children? And there are so many options out there. And so, yeah, there is, I'm, I've started calling it unbundling your education, yeah. right? So think about like a traditional school, they provide all the curriculum. They provide all of the different subjects, right? It's a bundled package. And sometimes you that's what you want and that's what you need. Yeah. But there's others out there who want something different. And they're, they realize, you know what? I want to go to the school for math and language arts and maybe a science class. But I'm going to then pull back and I'm going to do my art and my history and my literature at home. Or yeah. I'm going to take a class from this place or I'm going to find an online tutor for that thing. And so all of those things are what I'm, again, what I'm calling an unbundled education. And you can unbundle to whatever extent works for you and your family. And it's, it's really an exciting thing that I'm oh, learning I about. It. Well, so, I would have loved that yeah. growing up. Cause I mean, there were many interests, Yeah, but we didn't have as many options, you know, but I just thought that concept of, I was really interested in this certain subject this time. And it would have been fun to be able to well, that's that Take mindset to class too. on it, you know, yeah, to have it, a mindset change on that of, of what does that mean to have yeah. these different options and, and, you know, not thinking of school as just, or, or learning as the play, thing that happens in that one building for five days a week. Oh, yeah. 
right? And expanding what that means. I, yeah. I remember the story from uh, Carrie McDonald that she shared on our podcast of, uh, I believe it was her oldest daughter who, you know, she started taking a, a, a martial arts class that was Korean based, right? Uh -huh. And that got her started into learning more about the Korean culture. She got really interested. And so she took, started taking the Korean Link so she could general. learn more about the culture because she was interested I in it. Yeah. And so that's, that's the idea of, I think, really trying to find the passion driven education for each of your child. Well, no, that is lifelong learning. Absolutely. That, that end, like, oh, now I'm interested. Let me pick up a book or take a class or, well, and if or we look online, if there's options yeah. to learn that, like this last year, I, I mean, saying this is lifelong because I'm obviously not in the, you know, K-12 age group anymore, but astronomy, you know, I got into and started geeking out and then yeah, we got my husband got me a, a space book and <laughs> <laughs> my problem yeah. tends to be too, though. I have too many interests and I have to narrow it down to the one thing. Yeah. So. <laughs> Which but. is actually um, something that I think we can look at because it's um, that idea of we, we are lifelong learners. You know, if we have that fixed We're mindset. Eternal learners. Yes. So Yes, eternal learners. And, but if we have that fixed mindset of even, even in your job, right. And, and taking the time to be like, I don't actually like what I'm doing. So learn something new and change, change like, your job. It's okay. Well, and I would even say when they get older too, what's the matter if they go and they're interested in the medical field and they get a job as like an MA. Yeah. And start the medical field or if they want to college courses, a lot of these kiddos are yeah. graduating with degrees in the field they want to go into or. Well, and that's actually a trend that's happening in college enrollment is fewer people are enrolling full time in, in colleges here in the state. There are some, uh -huh. but we're, we're getting fewer and fewer. And, and there's a lot of reasons that are out there. Mm -hmm. but a lot of people are actually starting to take one or two courses that they're interested in, which is awesome. And, and doing those because they realize like, you know, again, it's that mindset of, you know, okay, I got to get through K-12. I got to graduate high school and then I go on to college and I got to do this thing. There's other options. There's other plans. Yeah. There's other paths. And bring in apprenticeships and yeah. which a lot of like, I just talked, which is something they used to, to do my sister this week about, there's probably surgeons that would take on somebody as a surgery tech, you yeah. know, and to pursue that route, that route that yeah. way. And so, I mean, I think sometimes we narrow. What we get we, blinders on and of, when there's, of life of there's actually what's possible. a lot of freedom to what can be done. Yeah. And it doesn't have to be big. It's one, it can be one thing at a time. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. So, and, but so some, so to kind of switch gears a little yeah. with all these micro schools and opportunities out there, it's been exciting to watch around the nation. My husband and I kind of geek out on politics. Too. Yeah, it's our new sport. <laughs> There's something exciting. I'll let John kind of talk about it. We're watching around the nation. So yeah, so their education choice programs in across the nation are happening. And I mean, we're here in Utah and Utah just passed the Utah Fits All Scholarship mm -hmm. um, this last week. And so that's been an amazing thing that's happened. And so that what that does, and, and a lot of people worry like, 
hey, like we shouldn't fund these different education models. Like that's my tax dollars. I don't want it to go to that. And like, I, I get that, but I don't get that. You know, if we're going to pay for a education for children, we should pay for what the education that fits that child. Each child should get to choose what their education well, looks like. Right. Yeah. And and obviously the, the family's going to be involved and the parents are going to be involved. And that's the parent's yeah. choice. Yeah. You know, and and but the the reality is is and the unfortunate reality is is that public schools really have a monopoly on what education looks like. And because they have that monopoly, they everybody tries to do what they're doing the same. Mm-hmm. But when you get these programs like the Utah Fits All Scholarship, Iowa just passed an education choice program last year. Arizona passed something a couple of years ago. West Virginia passed. They're called education spending accounts where you as the parent get to decide and you can choose to pay, use it for a tuition towards a private school or you can do that unbundled like we said before. Mm-hmm. And well, even into our scholarship, they added in that a public school child yeah. could that they, so they, they could do part-time in the school and then they can unbundle like yeah, they, can they can go split and, time which between i thought was the, really so they can go half time to public school and half time do this uh personalized education absolutely yeah. and i think that's that's the amazing and wonderful thing i think about this education choice stuff that's happening um it will only serve five thousand students in utah the seven hundred thousand that we have or so which i mean isn't a huge amount um, the funding is less than 1% of the, the spending of Utah students. But I mean, if we're going to tax people for education, then the parents should have a say in what that is. And, and that's the exciting thing. And that that's actually really good news for these, these education entrepreneurs, because they are competing with a government system that is, free, is forcing, that is forcing taxpayers to pay for it. Right. Yeah through taxes. Yeah. And so if we can open that up and allow the free market to come in yeah. and, and the well, statistics that say, let me, let me finish this part. Okay. But, Sorry. But they, the, the statistics say, and they show that when you have education choice policies, a robust education choice programs in your state, that not just the students who are using the choice programs, but all students across public and private uh unschooled homeschooled they all benefit because you get a more robust market and people trying new things and discovering new things and the the public system starts to innovate more too Mm -hmm. which is great yeah so i think it's good to have competition yeah and i think many of our podcasts throughout our podcast there's been even it's good for a school that's not good to fail. Like, yeah. It's good for a school to close. Well, and that, I think we, we don't want to think about that too much because I mean, it's children's education that we're thinking about. And so, I mean, it's definitely more, more important than a burger joint failing. Right. Yeah. And I, I understand that, but it also means that, Hey, here's this model that nobody wanted. So we, we should let it fail. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And as those models grow, there's going to be some that like, become better. Like the Acton model is a successful model mm-hmm. because they um, like they have a proven record of what they're doing. And that's why that network is growing mm-hmm. and they have the support and you're getting a lot of them around yeah. the nation because it's, it's working for a lot of people. And here's the thing that we don't usually talk about with education choice programs is this is actually really good for teachers too. 
most of the people who are starting these new micro schools and, and going out and beginning these things, most of them are former public school teachers who got frustrated with the bureaucracy of the public education system. And they wanted to be able to go out and have art be such a huge thing, whereas in the public system, a lot of times it gets pushed to the side because it's not reading, it's not math. Yeah. You know, and which, which is, it's not a tested subject. Yeah. 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 I think it, it, it helps people to innovate. Absolutely. And fulfill what. And they're they're, excited about their learning. I mean, they still have problems, but, but the problems aren't with the actual education they're doing. They're more like business owner problems of like, okay, I gotta make sure that like, I'm charging the right amount of tuition so that I can live. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And that that's an important yeah. part of Well, the, right now some the of these aren't even like the kids where our kids go. Yeah. They're not these they're are not making people money. who love what they're doing but the, the actual owners are not earning income off of it. Earning income. They yeah, they, they are, are doing it because they believe in And and doing. that's one of the things that's really hard is the successful models are ba- barely making ends meet. Yeah. Because they are competing with the public system, which is, which is funded, yeah, free. Yeah. But anyway, well, you can't say free. Nothing's free. Yeah, but... it's taxpayer funded. Yes. Right. Yeah. So. So. Anyway, I think that's our podcast for the day, yeah. and uh, you know it's been great talking about micro schools and education and all these things over the last half year, we're going to continue doing it. I've, I've met some people that we're going to invite on and have conversations with, but. So John, I want to ask you, what is probably one of the, what, what is something that has stood out to you and in our podcast? Is there one in general or just a theme or idea? I think one of the ones that has hit me the most actually was um, Adam Hailstone Mm -hmm. and talking with him and specifically the conversation about, thinking errors Mm -hmm. because you know i've heard about them and i understand them but he actually took us through a process for us to evaluate what is a thinking error you know what does it mean when you have confirmation bias and we did that right and that really really stood out to me as far as that goes uh what about you um of course Andrew Poudois doesn't know it, but he is one of my mentors I listen to. Yeah. So I always love, I guess the ones that are the laid back, like trust the journey mentality. Like, I think that's an important point. Yeah. That do your best. The Lord will make up the rest. Yeah. And really enjoy your children and the journey. Yeah. And I, and I can honestly say when I'm doing that with my kids, the journey is more enjoyable and it makes it, and it, we're closer as a family and we're closer to God. Yeah. And so I love all of that. And just, yeah, that's, a, I think that's I think a really Andrew good point. Poudois and yeah. And there's been a few of them actually, for sure that kind of made that, that same I mean, point of, Mount Liberty College and their technique of learning how to learn and Kim Goats and what she, the variety of things she's providing for yeah. kids. And 
I even love Jamie Buckland and what she's doing in West Virginia. And just, I love that she's very open to learning from, for her learning from other people and yeah. And not everybody's different and every don't yeah. feel threatened if somebody disagrees and yeah, you know, and Carrie McDonald's unschooling was eye opening yeah. for me on being very laid back and letting your kids learn and grow. So, yeah. And I think that's, that's an important point. That's a good place for us to stop. I think so. Anyway, thank you for listening to our podcast. Uh, that's all we've got to say for today, but uh, we would appreciate if you'd share our podcast and if you'd, uh, you know, give it a thumbs up or a rating or whatever, make it so other people can find it easily. So thanks. Thanks. Thank you for listening to the Diamond Education Podcast. You can connect with us on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. At Diamond Education, D-I-M-O-N-D, or on our website, diamondedcom